What's up, everyone? This is Austin Consol, and you're listening to the Weekly Football Trio Cast. I am joined by my co-host, Giovanni Falzone. What's up, guys? And I'm also joined by my other co-host, Anthony No. Two straight, baby. Miami Dolphins. Greatest postseason run ever. <laughs> okay. Um, good luck with that, bud. And um, this week, we are going to... <clears throat> Excuse me. Keep a similar format. We are going to do a little bit of news. There really wasn't anything major. We're going to go over the week. But today's uh, twist is we're going to pick our vote for who we think is going to be the MVP this year. Or as of now, who is the MVP. And then we're going to do Game of the Week fantasy and our Game of the Week and upset and then our fantasy picks. So let's get right into the news of the week. Uh, once again, there's not really big news. Uh, Preston Brown, the linebacker for the Bengals, was cut after they just signed him in March. So they were like, hey, uh, you know, you haven't worked out. Goodbye. And Hargraves was cut by the Bucks. Uh, same scenario. He wasn't just signed, though, but, you know, they gave him a few years. He just didn't pan out. And he got cut as well. I'm sure somebody will pick these two guys up. Hargraves already has offers on the table. And, you know, we'll see. Yeah, you know, so. the former first-round pick from Florida, you have teams like Miami, a uh, team like Philadelphia who needs desperate uh, secondary help that are, that are likely to put in waiver claims. You know, it's not the kid's not talented. It's just not working out in Tampa Bay. Uh, you know, I mean, Tampa Bay in and itself has been a kind of a dumpster fire for a little bit, not very consistent, and they're probably going to hit some major changes. So maybe like a little bit of change of scenery might help our graves resurrect that career that everybody thought was going to be very very uh on the high end of uh successful yeah i just would add that it's good to see tampa um knowing when to cut bait with a player that hasn't worked out to own and admit a mistake um such as this for their organization um i think that's a sign of things to come i i'm assuming this had a lot to do with uh coach bruce arians and his backing behind this decision i don't think that happens without him um, Todd Bowles usually finds ways of getting, you know, lesser talent in the right position. He's definitely a guy of talent, but he was never in right positions and it doesn't work for the scheme. He's a smaller corner. Maybe he'll find and catch fire somewhere else and, and resurrect the career. But this is good to see that Tampa is willing to own their mistakes. And we'll see if that's a sign of things to come, um, in lieu of Jameis Winston's contract being up. Yeah, we'll see who gets him and, you know, if he performs a little bit better uh, with the new team. So let's get into the review of the week. Uh, first game is Thursday night. It was the Raiders beat the Chargers 26-24, to improving the Raiders record to 5-4, and 4-1 four, four at home. Very good home team this year. And uh, it is the last, it's the last season in that stadium, too, so they're trying to go out on a bang and maybe go 7-1 and one at home. And... Uh, Impressive win for the Raiders. They were my upset pick this week, and they ended up pulling it out. And I think they're the most surprising team in the league. Nobody thought they'd be good, and right now I think they're one game out of the division title, and or half a game I think, because the Chiefs are six and four. And um, I think I think the Raiders are going to make the playoffs. They might sneak in as a six seed, and I don't know if they'll do anything, but we'll see. Uh, do you guys have anything to? Add about Raiders Chargers. Yeah, I would add it was uh, my game of the week. Definitely exciting. Went down to the wire. Um, Carlson's got to make extra points, got to make field goals, uh, especially in close games. If you look at their schedule, um, the Raiders have won a lot of close games and have been in close games also that they've lost. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, several weeks ago I picked this team to win the AFC West. And now Kansas City and Oakland have the same amount of losses. Um, Raiders have had their bye. Kansas City hasn't, so uh, th- that's why they're still in lead of the division at six and four to five and four. Um, impressed by this team, Derek Carr is not losing the game. I think the team is uh, won over by him again, and Josh Jacobs really is the story, along with Darren Waller on offense. And this defense is just slowly but surely behind the scenes creating turnovers. Um, they had generated no pass rush pretty much up into this game and now you're seeing guys shine and get to the get to the quarterback so um yeah i like the way the schedule finishes and they got the Bengals on the docket so uh 
yeah, I look for John Gruden and the Raiders to keep uh, improving and, and being a surprise team. Phillip Rivers looked awful. He just looked absolutely dreadful. You know, three interceptions. Some of them were just awful. Straight to, straight to the defenders. You had uh, college walk-ons, undrafted free agents out there making plays for uh, out there making plays for the Raiders. Uh, his name. I'm trying to remember his name. Eric Harris from California. You know, just I. Never heard of him till now. He had one interception prior, and now he goes on Thursday night and intercepts, in my opinion, a first ballot Hall of Fame where he just – Rivers wasn't making good reads. They went from – their roller coaster season continues. They shut down uh, offense run by Aaron Rodgers, and then the next week they come out and completely poop the bed to a rookie running back and a guy named Derek Carr. So, you know, I just – there's no consistency there. Uh, I kind of expect Anthony Lynn to be one of the very surprising firings if things aren't changed really soon. So, and I, I think you know the Chargers are going to look to draft uh, the successor to Philip Rivers in the draft come May. Okay, we'll see what happens with the Chargers. Maybe, maybe the coach will get fired. I don't think so, but you know anything could happen. So next game on the list is Bears won 20-13 against Detroit. Uh, Bears got a good win, played some pretty good defense, and I don't look too far into it, though, because I, I think it was... Um, I still think they don't have a chance to win that division. I think Green Bay and Minnesota are just running away with it. So, you know, good win for the Bears. Keeps them alive for now, but I don't think it means much. Uh, Ravens won 49-13 against the Bengals. Do either of you want to say anything about that game? Well, you know, a- I'm gonna save I'm gonna save my comments on this game later during our MVP discussion because you know I'll make it very evident about who I'm gonna talk about. Spoilers. Likewise. Okay. Um, Browns beat the Bills nineteen to sixteen. Uh, the Browns got back on track and. Bills are still six and three, so they're still in the playoffs at the moment, but they're heading in the wrong direction. Maybe this will be the kickstart for the Browns to go in the right direction. Uh, Tennessee beat the Chiefs 35-32, Sorry, and I did not expect that. Patrick Mahomes came back, and Tennessee just kept up with them. They just kept going score for score. Is uh, if you would have told strange. me, if you would have told me that in the shootout game. With Tannehill having the ball with under two minutes to go, that he would have thrown a game-winning touchdown against the Chiefs, I would have called you crazy. But Tannehill's doing everything they wanted him to and everything they wanted Marcus Mariota to do. And, while there's a reason that Mariota's running routes in practice now instead of taking snaps at quarterback. Let's just say that. It's crazy that Tannehill looked trash in Miami, but might actually take Tennessee to the playoffs it's crazy uh next game was the surprising game of the week the falcons won 26 to 9 against the saints and all i gotta say is before the game they gave up the defensive coordinator uh or the defensive play calling from uh quinn and gave it to the linebacker coach i believe and he came out and allowed three field goals i don't even think the saints scored a touchdown they did so that's I mean, if that's the if that's the key to Atlanta, this is what I thought Atlanta could be all year. But you know, they suck so far. But you know, I still think the Saints are great. Every team has a game like this every year where they just put up an absolute stinker. And you know, I think the Saints will recover. Next game is the Jets beat the Giants thirty four twenty seven. My prediction is slowly coming true. Of the Giants will go fourteen and two, and then I said, or they'll go two and fourteen, and. You know, two and fourteen's looking <laughs> looking a little bit uh, uh, more reasonable at this point. And uh, yeah, Giants don't look very good, and I still don't think the Jets are very good. I just think that shows you that Giants' defense is booty cheeks. And Daniel Jones had four touchdowns though, so that was good for him. But the leading rusher in the game was thirty-four yards rushing, and Barkley had one yard. And I think I think the Giants' coaching needs to figure something out because you can't have Barkley getting one yard and your defense is terrible. So 
If they don't figure out something with the coaching, they're always going to be garbage. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Buccaneers beat the Cardinals 30 to 27. I thought the Cardinals would beat the Bucks, but you know, the Bucks could be solid some weeks, and they look good. They held out a nice victory over the Cardinals. Next game is the Dolphins' two-game win streak against the Colts. I do think it helped that Brissett didn't play, and you guys went against Brian Hoyer. But absolutely, I mean, did you see one of the interceptions the guy threw? It was completely. <laughs> Away over the head of everybody, just threw it straight to the defender. That was one of, I think, two or three interceptions he threw on the day. The first one he threw was more or less on just the defender making a great play. And that goes there, kind of controversial. But let's go back to the playoffs. You know, Dez caught it or did he not catch it? You got to complete the process and go all the way to the ground and come back up with it. He did not. The defender came up with it. Interception. Great play in the end zone. You got a lot of no-name players for the Dolphins making plays. Jerome Baker and Raquan McMillan are manning the middle. Definitely look like a good, solid uh, linebacking core. Jerome Baker's only 21. Raquan McMillan's only 22. And they're both still on their rookie scales. So that's that, that's really good. Team's starting to come together. Uh, Christian Wilkins leads all rookie defensive linemen and tackles. Not getting the pressure everybody wanted him to. But, hey. Uh, if you're stopping the run, then that's just that's that's great. Let's also keep in mind he leads the deep, the rookie defensive lineman in tackles after being ejected in like the first quarter of the Bills game for throwing a punch. He's definitely lived up to my expectations, but I'm I'm happy with how he's developed. Well, I I guess the Dolphins have some bright sides on their team. After all, I thought they were just going to be dumpster fire, but. I guess the, somebody took took the dumpster fire and put it out. So, next game on the list is... Oh, and by the way, I didn't see the interception because, you know, I didn't watch any of the game because it was Colts versus Dolphins, and that game was really bad, if we're being honest. I it was. 16-12. to 12. It, was, it was an awful game. Benetieri uh, still missing kicks. I think, I think after this season, we see uh, one of the greatest kickers of all time. Go ahead and hang they, him up. They might bench him. He might not play again the rest of the year. Uh, next game on the list is Packers beat the Panthers 24-16. to uh, Packers rebounded after that terrible loss against the Chargers. And Aaron Jones, three touchdowns. Actually, the two leading touchdown players outside of quarterbacks, of course, played against each other in that game. They both have 14 touchdowns. And, uh, you know, Panthers, I still think the Panthers are a solid team. And But, you know, Packers, Packers look real good. Um, the McCaffrey's? A, Oh, sorry. Yeah, Carolina McCaffrey's. I forgot their official team name was changed this this week to the Carolina McCaffrey's. But I mean, McCaffrey, he did okay. He did well. He didn't do McCaffrey things, which is crazy to say because 108 yards of touchdown. I think he also had a receiving touchdown. I'm not sure. Um, but next game on the list is Steelers beat the Rams 17 to 12. Uh, Steelers are impressing me. I thought after Big Ben went down, it was over, and the Rams' offense looked terrible. Terrible. And yeah, I was going to jump in on this one and say the Rams um, and that offense and Sean McVay and everything that they're doing has – I don't I don't know if it's exposed. I don't know if the people aren't in the right positions. Um, the offensive line play – um, I know now they got a, um, their center, I believe, is going to miss the rest of the season after this game. But the reality is Malcolm Brown, Daryl Henderson, and above all, Todd Gurley, none of them can get it going. Todd Gurley does not look like himself, um, but none of them can average four yards a carry. Um, they haven't really ran the ball well all season. And you're seeing Jared Goff in his last, I think, uh, 16 games, if you just take that sample size. So uh, pieces of last year coming back from the Super Bowl and the postseason to now, we're already going into week 11. Um, he's got less touchdown passes than Mitch Trubisky. So they got to fix this because they traded a lot. The organization didn't, you know, gave up a lot to get him. But not only that, this offseason, he got the money. 
So if they don't figure this out quickly, the Rams could be one of those teams that we see make that run and then for the next four or five years be really mediocre. Um, so we're going to have to see. They are dealing with Cooks and the concussion problems. This is a lot like what Sterling Shepard is going through up in New York. Um, he's going to see some specialists, so we'll see what, where that where that takes them. But you can't go an entire game and Cooper Cup gets zero catches. So they got to scheme him open. I think they'll fix some of it, but they definitely have some – internal flaws with this team on the flip side though let's let's not ignore what Mika Fitzpatrick's done since his trade to uh since his trade to Pittsburgh the guy is he's a bona fide all pro uh he has five interceptions since being traded to Pittsburgh uh two defensive touchdowns the guy's all over the place like hands down the guy's got to be an all pro and he's making his He's making his case for defensive player of the year. And, you know, it hurts for Miami. We gave up a first-round pick after Big Ben got hurt, and we fully expected it to be top 10. Shoot, even at one point, I thought it was going to be Miami's picking one and two. But now Pittsburgh's making a run at quite possibly a wild-card spot if all things go well for them. So they're looking smart. Miami's, you know, flirting a little bit. But. He told he told Brian Flores and the staff down here, I'm a free safety. That's what I do in the zone scheme. I play free safety. He goes to um he goes to Pittsburgh and Mike Tomlin puts him there and says, Do your thing, bro. And he's doing exactly what everybody in Miami hoped he'd do, and he's just doing it in black and gold instead of uh teal and orange. Okay. I think the Dolphins regret that. Trading him. Anthony, you know I don't I don't know if I say that they they regret it, but it's one of those things where if a player is so unhappy of playing on a team or in a system, to where he says he's not gonna it's not he's not gonna follow the system that they're running, you kind of got to make a move. You got a first round pick out of it, you could you know package it together to either move up or you could grab a player in that area that fits the scheme that you want to play. You know, I, I keep saying we'll get more in depth on it in the uh, in the draft episodes of this program. But uh, Grant Deplet from LSU could be a fit to replace um, Mika Fitzpatrick in Miami. But one of those things, you know, it hurts seeing him do so well in Pittsburgh that he could have been doing in Miami. But if he doesn't fit the scheme or he's not buying into the coach's system, you got to go. This is a this is this isn't when you. This isn't high school. This isn't college where you strong arm yourself. This is the NFL. Uh, get in where you fit in or get going. All right. Let's move on to probably the two biggest games of the week. Uh, Sunday night, Vikings won 28-24. to I know Mr. Geo has some strong words about this game, but before we get to Mr. Geo, um, I thought the Vikings looked good. Kirk Cousins finally showed up in a primetime game and had a pretty solid game. And Dak also looked pretty good on the other end. Minnesota uh, shut down Zeke and told Dak try to compete and win. And Dak showed up and he looked pretty good. But the <laughs> the story of the game is Dak's little dance move before the game. Everybody's imitating that now. His little hip thing where he tends to throw the ball. Everybody's uh, memeing the crap out of him, but... Good game. I enjoyed it. Vikings came out with the win. And Anthony, do you want to say anything before we let Gio have his fun with his football team? The story of the game is the awful play calling near the end of the game by Coach Claps a lot. You had Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper dominating Minnesota secondary the entire game, the entire drive getting into the goal in the red zone, and then you try to do all this foolishness instead of just letting Dak be Dak. And find Amari Cooper in the end zone. Awful coaching. I, 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 I still don't understand how Jason Garrett has this head coaching spot in Dallas after all these years and all these letdowns. I don't know what kind of dirt he has on the Jones family or what he's seen that they don't want people to know. But this, I, I don't get that thought process where Dak has torn apart the secondary all game with Amari Cooper. And then we get to the goal line, to the red zone. And you're gonna run the ball two or three times, and then try to pass the ball on four. I I don't get the call, the the thought process on the play calling. Awful by Jason Garrett. Awful handling by him. And I just Dak Prescott looked like an MVP candidate the first three and three quarters of the of the game, and then the last quarter of it, they just just 
awful, awful play calling. I don't understand that process. You're hitting like two or three yard routes and just trying to waste time. This isn't Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers that are about to run the two minute drill on you. It's it's Kirk Cousins. Score as fast as you can. Let your defense play against Kirk Cousins to make him beat you. But instead, you took the ball out of Dak Prescott's hand. You did all these weird concepts and play calling. And you, you quite frankly, you blew the game. You blew it, kid. You blew it. Oh, I don't even know where to start. Um, this is a game in which Dallas needed to win, should have won, could have won, but didn't win. And I don't want to hear about Kirk Cousins and everything he did. Because I'll start with the Vikings for for, for um, to start. They ran the ball with Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison very effectively. So they averaged over four four yards a carry. They were they were converting uh, third down after third down after third down, and the defense couldn't get off the field. This was a night in which Van Der Esch, Jalen Smith, and Sean Lee didn't really show up. We know we have subpar to, to, to really below average defensive tackle play when it comes to stopping the run. Um, DeMarcus Ware made some great effort plays. Robert Quinn did as well in the run game. Uh, as well as Bennett, but the reality is when they get past that line and 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 they were getting the push, they couldn't stop them. Dalvin Cook was going bonkers all night. He was also the lead, and this is going to lead me into Kirk Cousins. He was the leading receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. Um, I believe he had seven, yeah, seven catches for 86 yards. That was the leading receiver. Now, granted, Adam Thielen was out. Another reason why Dallas should have won this game. But the thing about Kirk Cousins all night long is I don't think a, I don't think a pass traveled far further than 10 yards the entire night except for a duck that he threw up to Stefan Diggs in which he had to fight back through the corner and was originally ruled incomplete because it looked like it hit the carpet only to review the play and Stefan Diggs the rec- great receiver that he is got his hand underneath it. Outside of that third down conversion, Kirk Cousins didn't have to do a whole lot. He hiked the ball and it was a screen pass or or some kind of, uh, you know, pass to the flat to Dalvin Cook. And that was it um, outside of that one play to Stefan Diggs. So Kirk Cousins and that offense really didn't. Imp- I mean, Kyle Rudolph, four catches for 14 yards. Uh, the only thing he did was co- he did have two passing touchdowns in the red zone, but it was because they were already inside the five and normally you're going to run that ball in and they did a play action and a pop pass and give credit to where credit is due. Kyle Rudolph made a spectacular one hand catch, but now let's get to the Cowboys and the real reason why this game was lost. Dak was playing out of his mind. He was throwing the ball better than frankly, I've watched every snap of every preseason, regular season and postseason game that he's had. And this is one of the most impressive. He was converting Third and 14s, third and 12s, third and 12s, third and nine, third and seven, third and five, third and two, third and two. He went nine of 15 on third downs. Nine of 15. And how many of those were runs by Ezekiel Elliott? Zero. The entire game, all the third downs, short and long, were converted by Dak Prescott and his arm. But for some reason, with under two minutes left, we get Q on second and two after Amari Cooper runs a quick slant on the first on the first down play, and we do back-to-back runs, which gets us to fourth and five. Zero-yard gain on the first one and a three-yard loss on the third down run. Made no sense. That drive, I agree with my co-host Anthony. It started on our own six-yard line. The whole drive was zero runs. Dak completed passes of eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, 23 yards, 18 yards. Eight yards, nine yards, got all the way down to the 11 of Minnesota to punch it in for the touchdown and win the game. I would have been fine with a QB draw, with a QB zone read, let Dak run it. We've seen the success he's had since he's come into the league. He's had six touchdowns at least in every rushing touchdowns in every season. That's pretty impressive. In fact, I don't think there's any other quarterback in the last three years that's done that consecutively. But no. Jason Garrett, and, and and then even to get the ball back after your defense gets a stop, and someone, I, I believe Garrett, maybe the special teams coaches to blame, Tavon Austin had 20 yards in front of him, and they told him to fair catch the ball. So, th- again, th- this is just so frustrating. 
that you have a Kirk Cousins who doesn't really beat you and, and, and you can't stop Dalvin Cook. The same problem that we had in the playoff game a year ago against the Rams when they went bonkers for 270 yards with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley. And since that game, Todd Gurley hasn't done anything. So th- there's a problem. There's a flaw with this team. The defense doesn't show up. They get off to slow starts. And ultimately, Dak Prescott did look like an MVP candidate the way that he was throwing the ball and the way that Amari was catching the ball. He leads the NFL in QBR. That, that, that takes into account his arm and his legs. That takes into account situational football. That means what do you do on the big downs, in the big parts, in the times that matter within the game? And, and, and he, yet they're 5-4. and four. This, There's so much left to be desired about this team. And it's just getting nauseating week after week after week against a team that they really should have and could have beaten. And it's, it comes down to Jason Garrett. Ezekiel Elliott was going nowhere fast. 20 carries for 47 yards. That ain't going to cut it. And granted, the offensive line was getting pushed around a lot this game, especially. But in the past blocking game, they were doing, they were doing pretty well. Dak had time. Dak had to move around. He only got sacked once. He evaded a couple because that's what he can do. That's why he's, he, he's a great quarterback. I consider him top 10. And he's playing at a caliber as such. But to take the ball out of the guy's hands who just took you 83 yards in under two minutes to win the game, throw it into the – to not have one play designed from second and two on the 11, to not have one throw go into the end zone on second, third, and fourth and five when all you need is a touchdown to win this game, I don't get it. And frankly, Kirk Cousins, yeah, two passing touchdowns. That's kind of what I expected. Dalvin Cook broke way more tackles than he should have. I know he's great, but that's a lot of bad Cowboys tackling, if you ask me. And the reason why we lost was because of Jason Garrett. All right. Earlier you said Demarcus Ware. Just wanted to correct you and oh, say Demarcus, Demarcus Lawrence. Lawrence. Yeah, just wanted to – just in case somebody would – yeah, uh, just in case somebody was like Demarcus Ware, he plays for the Cowboys still. But I feel like Coach Garrett was still coaching then. You know, it's it's, it's ridiculous. Like, when is this going to end? Like, when is this going to end? You have all this fun facts. Fun fact: My first year of football for the Sunrise Gators organization, I played on the same team as Calvin Garrett, Jason Garrett's son, while he was the quarterbacks coach in Miami. Fun fact. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I, I just don't know what's when it's gonna end, but but yeah, that's my take on it. Anthony, I don't even care, man. We talked about it last podcast. Kirk Cousins only threw two <laughs> passing touchdowns, and they were both for like three yards and a half. But whatever, <laughs> it is what it is. I don't even care. So let's move on. Well. The game of the week, if not the game of the year, Seattle won 27-24 in the Monday Night Thriller. It lived up to the hype. They went back and forth. They went all the way down to overtime final seconds to for Seattle to kick the game-winning field goal. Seattle and the 49ers both look like the real deal. I know the 49ers lost, but I think they still showed up, and they were pretty good. And, you know, they were missing their... George Kittle and their new weapon Sanders so often struggled a little bit plus their tackles just came back off injury so defense was the, the story of this game and they both showed both defenses showed up and both teams looked really good that rookie kicker had a chance to win the game and just super kicked it left after God, nailing three field goals was. perfectly I don't know what that was rookie rookie kicker coming in you know just Nerves hit him. He, I mean, he nailed the the game tying field goal. It's just nerves can get Stop to the you. pressure and yeah. So, uh, I I think it was the game of the week. Could be game of the year. It lived up to the hype. And uh, Geo, what do you think about this game? Do you yeah. think it was good Seahawks and 49ers are still really good, or what do you? Think? I mean. I will go back to my prediction and uh, several weeks ago when we talked about division winners, playoffs, playoff teams, how we see the race, the, the race shaking out the last half of the year. I had Seattle winning this game. In fact, I laughed when I found out that they were only uh, that they were a six point dog. Like I would have bet that automatically. And you saw that they were up 21 to 10 
in command of this game because of plays that they made that San Fran just couldn't. Yes, they jumped out to a 10-0 lead, but it didn't really feel like a 10-0 lead for the longest time because um, there was a lot left to be desired with San Fran's offense. And then once Seattle started getting things clicking on offense and defense, they scored seven in the second quarter and 14 in the third quarter to San Fran putting up two goose eggs in the second and third quarter. And so I thought this came down to Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson, as I said, would it would to uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Now, you could say, did Kyle Shanahan make the right move in sending that kicker out? Yeah, you got to have confidence in him. He just tied the game. Let's put him back out there. But, man, did they blow plays to make this an easier kick. They, they, they just trotted him out there instead of trying to get further into um, Seattle territory to make it an easier kick. Um, so there was things that they definitely made that were questionable. But the biggest takeaway for me is, yes, um, San Fran started the year red hot. I think the schedule gets much tougher down the way. I think they're going to lose some games due to the fact that they do have uh, a young head coach and Jimmy Garoppolo, who I'm not sold in based upon a lot of ha- um, high throws he had, low throws he had. He's not getting help from his receivers. Um, a lot of A lot of guys drop balls. Granted, this was all without George Kittle. And then Emmanuel Sanders also left the game. But the play, I mean, the, the, the turn the tide is in the fourth quarter. I mean, w- w- I don't know who this offensive lineman is, but I've never seen an offensive lineman strip his own quarterback and try to take off with the ball only to get knocked out, fumble the ball, and then it'll be a walk-in uh, defensive recovery uh, fumble for a touchdown. So that was the changing point. That's exactly what San Fran needed to get, to get back in this game. Tyler Lockett, I know we haven't been talking a lot about injuries on this podcast today. Um, Obviously, one that we didn't uh, mention, just real quick, Matthew Stafford. We'll see what happens with him. That's probably why the Bears won that game. But this is another huge injury because this is a key um, role of this offense. It's the playmaker of this offense. They do love to run the ball, but when the run's getting stopped, Tyler Lockett is the go-to guy. And he didn't perform in this game. There's so much confusion around what's going on with his with his leg, his knee. There's so much speculation. So we'll wait to hear what happened. He stayed overnight in a hospital in the Bay Area. Um, but my takeaway is if Tyler Lockett is lost, the Josh Gordon signing looks really good. But DK Metcalf and Josh Gordon, as we saw last night, ain't no Tyler Lockett, especially for the, a Russell Wilson-ran offense. Um, so that's really my takeaway. DK Metcalf is a beast of a man. He's got to know how to get out of his own way. If he don't fumble going into the end zone and Chris Carson bangs it in from two yards out, I, I, just, I don't even think San Fran gets back in this game. And if the offensive lineman doesn't strip his own quarterback, I don't think they get back in this game. You know, it was it's just a, a very interesting game all around. Like you said, we saw some NFL street stuff where, you know, an offensive lineman trying to take the ball from his quarterback. It turned into a touchdown for San Fran. Uh, it was one of those games where just Seattle couldn't get out of their own way at times. But San Francisco was making the plays that they needed to. You know, uh, that, that that forced fumble on DK Metcalf going into the one, that that's effort. That's effort, and that's, that's big boy football. Like you said, DK Metcalf, as big as he is, as strong as he is, he also needs to use his head and realize this guy's tugging at the ball. I don't know what's going to happen. Just go down. Let me just yeah. go down. Let me just go down and, you know, Chris Carson will bang it in to, you know, get the touchdown. Or, you know, we'll throw a quick slant at the one and it'll get intercepted. But, you know, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where Jimmy G was on and off at times. You know, he hit receivers. They dropped the ball. They didn't finish their routes all the way through. Then there was times where he just missed open receivers. Uh, he put them in position to win. They had, they were in a position to win. You know, he put a lot of pressure on a rookie kicker off fresh off the streets and he missed, you know, I mean, you can't be mad at the kid. You have one of the greatest kickers of all time and Adam Vinatieri who missed game winners this year. Like it happens. Uh, the Seahawks are still behind San Francisco in the NFC West race. You know, they're going to, they're not going to meet again until week 17, and that could be huge. That could be this could be them going into going into the playoffs, having to play their players for week seventeen, because it makes a difference between who's going to be the one seed or the two seed against who's going to be the five the five seed. Like that could have huge implications, and we're going to see that down the stretch. I also think that this might be um, a game that includes two of the top 
coaches in the NFC. The only other coach in the NFC I'll throw in there uh, to, you know, give give my um my respects to would be Sean Payton. Sean Payton, um, Pete Carroll. And what he did with Teddy Bridgewater, yep, yep. All those coaches are easily three of the top coaches. Those are the three top coaches of the NFC, and we saw two of them go head up against each other yesterday. Uh, so, you know, long season, like I said, I predicted San Fran to go 14-2. Let's just hope those two losses they have aren't going to be to San Francisco, which, again, still, let's say San Francisco wins out, uh, Seattle wins out, but then San Francisco loses to Seattle on um, on on that last game of the season. You're going to have a 14-2 and two, five seed in the NFC playoffs. So it'll be very interesting heading there to see what happens, you know. Uh, yeah, I so, mean, you know, yeah, Jimmy G just has more film on him now. He's barely completing 50% of his passes. Um, the the one, I mean, the one highlight, Debo Samuel he, is a stud. This was his breaking out party. He didn't skip a beat. Emmanuel Sanders goes out. I just want to add about Debo Samuel because he had eight catches for a buck 12, but that wasn't because of Jimmy G. Debo got some yak. And I'm telling you, when this guy's hard to tackle, you have to watch it. He's putting DBs in the dirt. He's putting safeties in the dirt. He's juking out linebacker. I mean, this guy is for real when he gets in, in space. And even in tight contested catches, he don't care about getting blown up because if you hit him, he bounces back up and keeps his balance. Uh, he's going to be a problem to deal with in, in the NFL in, in the coming years. I just want to say one more thing before we move on. Uh, you guys were kind of trashing Jimmy G a little bit. Uh, he, I heard today on the radio that he has started 19 games and he's 16 and three. So, yeah, but a, yeah, the only thing I'll say hold on, on that, Austin, the Austin. Only thing I say in that football's a team game. Football's yeah, and I just want to say, you see the way Dak Dak played Sunday night against. And what I think the Vikings is a better defense than Seattle's total defense. Ooh, um, about that. Um, I think the numbers uh, show that. I mean, we've seen what uh, Tampa did to Seattle. We've seen what uh, Teddy Bridgewater did to Seattle. We've seen what the Ravens did to Seattle. There, there's a lot of 30 and 40 point games. Um, and so the Vikings don't have as many of those. Anyways, we could debate that. We saw what Dak did Sunday night. To your point, Austin, Jimmy Garoppolo is 16 and three as a starter. Some of those came from New England, some of those now in San Fran. But he is not playing like a 16 and three quarterback. Even if he was managing the game, I would say, sure, great, fine, wonderful. But he's he's the reason why sometimes they almost lose these games because he, he he's turning into a turnover machine himself. So I, I just I think people need to watch it. You can look at records and all like um, even the year that Nick Foles, everyone remembers, 27 and two, 27 and two. Um it, it didn't lead to everything that they wanted it to lead to then. And I just think Jimmy G has, has a lot to prove still. I agree, but just wanted to say that he's 16-3 in his 19 starts. So I think he's better than you guys are giving him credit for. But that leads us into our next segment. The person we think is going to win MVP this year. Who Who is your MVP at the moment? Lamar um, Jackson, start- shut it down. <clears throat> Okay, let's I was going to say let's start with Anthony, but you let's know you want to just jump in there and say it already. So, do you care to elaborate? You know, if it, let's say you know every player that wins the Heisman in college has their Heisman moment. Uh, Lamar Jackson had his MVP moment yesterday. He hit the filthy, the rookie spin, the rookie circle button on Madden. He hit against Cincinnati yes on Sunday, and it, it they they. The Bengals didn't know what to do. They had no idea. Lamar, he's too fast. He's too quick. It's his second game with the perfect passer rating this season. Top five in quarterback rating. Top five in uh, just QBR. Uh, just passer rating and QBR, both top five. I said quarterback rating and QBR, same thing. Passer rating and QBR, both top five. Uh, he doesn't turn the ball over often. He's on pace for like 1,200 rushing yards as, as well as 3,500 passing, 30-plus uh, rushing or receive, passing touchdowns. I think he's dominating the game. He, he's Michael Vick who at this point. That's Vick who. 
Like he opened the door, but Lamar Jackson kicked it down, and he's he's here to stay. Uh, you know, he's changing the game. When you have defensive coordinators, if you're preparing to play to play Lamar Jackson, you're literally you you can't go to sleep. You better not go to sleep, or you're gonna fall behind. There's I don't know how to game plan for this guy. Rex Ryan said he'd blitz him like crazy, but Rex Ryan also went like seven and nine and lost to Tannehill a couple times. So, you know, we'll just completely ignore that fact. <laughs> but Lamar Jackson is literally running away with the MVP voting, but not too far behind is Russell Wilson. So keep an eye on those two. I just I I think that Lamar Jackson's just dominating. And I'll even throw a little bit of Mika Fitzpatrick in there. Uh, just those 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 players you gotta keep an eye on as far as that. But Lamar Jackson is uh, I I'm cool with this shutting the season down now, giving him his MVP trophy, and we'll get ready for the playoffs. Go ahead, Gio. Yeah, so I, I've been saying this for several weeks. Um, I've made my feelings known about Lamar Jackson and what the NFL um, did or didn't know or assumed or didn't assume or, hey, can you run the 40? And he said, nah, watch the tape. And they should have watched the tape because a lot of people didn't including Bill Polian, who finally came out and just flat out said, I was wrong. And um, Bill Polian wears a gold jacket. So there's a lot of people and a lot of teams who are forever going to regret their decisions. And we could could go from top to bottom. We could talk about um, running backs and, and receivers and and defensive linemen that people won't even remember. We don't even have to get – if we get to the quarterbacks, it'll just make you sick that we're taking before him. And it wasn't warranted, frankly. You can't always say, oh, the Heisman means you're going to have success. But but back-to-back years, he put up better numbers the year after, actually, at Clemson. It's just that that year, the Clemson team in his, uh, in his second year was more successful as a team. But a lot of people can't tell me uh, what skill position player was he playing with that went in the top three rounds of the draft. All right, so we could go all the way back to that. I'm going to get to today. Today, here's, here's the reality. Parker. Yeah. Um, yes, he did go in the first round. You're right. So I'm going to get to today. Wait, did Devontae Parker got drafted what year? After That was after Lamar, Jackson, Lamar Jackson's freshman season. So they played together, and Lamar got inserted as the starter halfway through his the first that's, game of the freshman the, season. Correct. That's correct. the best. That's the best. Yeah, that's that, the and, best player he's played. And, and look, and look, let's be honest. Devontae Parker's finally starting to shine. He's finally healthy. But if you're gonna give me Devontae Parker when you had Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield, I don't have time to get into their weapons. Um, yeah, it it it's 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 totally vastly different. It it pales in comparison. So let's get to today. We now have a full 16-game sample size of Lamar Jackson. He took over a Joe Fluco dead-in-the-water Baltimore Ravens team at 4-5 and five and won the division and went to the postseason. He was the youngest quarterback to ever start in a postseason game. Then let's fast forward to just a week ago, um, and he went into uh, – or he beat New England – and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, who was 22-0 and against first- and second-year quarterbacks in his last 22 games, but not Lamar Jackson. And, and look, you could say, oh, I was against the Bengals. He had another perfect passer rating. He had a perfect passer rating against the Dolphins. That's hard to do. Ask Drew Brees how, how hard it is to do. Because we saw him go up against a team that has more defensive players on IR in Atlanta than I, I don't even think any other team in the league can, can compare. And, and and they were they were known as the dumpster fire. They were the team trying to win who couldn't. And as Drew Brees, how that goes, the NFL is the NFL. I don't want to hear all oh, those Bengals. That those are men out there trying to earn paychecks and, and and make Pro Bowls and be All Pro. There there's All Pros on bad teams. Ask Joe Thomas. So it doesn't matter who you do it against. What he's doing, it, we've never seen before. And I warned a lot of people. Two years ago when he was coming out and he said, you're going to get a Super Bowl out of me. Believe that. Believe that. When he got drafted by Baltimore, he said, I don't even care. Primetime's asking. I can see the pain in your eyes. How do you feel? And he responded to Dion, it don't even matter. I'm a Raven. He has bought into this franchise since day one. He is going to be the MVP this year. He's had his MVP moment. I agree with Anthony. 
He had his MVP game, I believe. There's still a lot left, to this, including this weekend, which we'll get to. Um, real quick, why he's MVP. The stats do prove what they prove. He's had his moment. He's had his big games. But he's the most valuable player to his team. And he beat Russell in his house. And Russell has thrown some interceptions that almost costed his game, his team, and in some cases have costed. He hasn't thrown many, but he almost blew it last night, and he didn't look great for most of the game. Um, you know, Jadavion Clowney has a lot to do with that win. And then again, um, he he threw the pick six to Marcus Peters. Lamar Jackson, now that we have a full sample size, again, I'm going to wrap it up here. Here's where I'm going to land the plane. 16 games, Lamar Jackson, 13 wins, Patrick Mahomes, 12. Remember all the hype around Patrick Mahomes? Who won the MVP last year? Patrick Mahomes. In his 16 games, Lamar Jackson, 1,258 yards. Ladanian Tomlinson, 1,236. Passer rating in his first 16 starts in the NFL. Lamar Jackson, 94.4 passer rating. Not running rating, passer rating. Tom Brady, 90.1. Yards per attempt. Ah, he's just dinking and dunking to those backs and tight ends. Yards per attempt. In his first 16 starts, 7.6. Aaron Rodgers, 7.5. The gunslinger, the Hail Mary, the one who gets it. I don't even want to get get started on Aaron Rodgers, but we know what he can do. Completion percentage, ah, he's inaccurate. This boy should be a wide receiver. He should go in the third round. 63% completion percent in 16 starts. In Drew Brees' first 16, 61%. What do all those guys have in common? They're all likely going to the Hall of Fame we don't know about Patrick Mahomes yet, but I think people feel like it's safe to say with the talent level. All those other guys, LT, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, they're all going to the Hall of Fame. If MVPs. not, they're already in it. They're all MVPs. Case closed. I'm done. By the way, Lamar Jackson never played with Devontae Parker. Lamar Jackson. That's what I was going to say. Lamar, like, Lamar Jackson's freshman year was the year after Devontae 2016, Parker. 2016, and Devontae 15. Parker got drafted 2015. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's what I was okay. I see somebody saw ESPN's post this morning about all those fun little stats you gave out. Yeah, I have, I have, I've, I've been saying I've known about it. I, I don't. I mean, that, that that's the reality. Like he he he's doing what he's supposed to do, and he's been doing it since little league, high school, college, and now the pros. I'm saying if that post didn't come out this morning, you weren't going to rattle off those numbers. I'll tell you that. That's what I'm saying. You weren't going to rattle off those numbers. I'm just saying that post came out this morning for people who saw it. And I knew one of you would bring it up. It was good. It was a good post. Interesting post. Um, my MVP is Russell Wilson. Leads or Fourth in passing with 2,737 yards. Leads the league in passing touchdowns of 23. He even has three rushing touchdowns. He only has two interceptions, even after last night where he threw that one to the to the Niners. He leads the league in passer rating at 114.9. And uh, teams 8-2 and two just beat the best team in the league, or highest record in the league. I don't know if you want to call him best team in the league, but best record in the league. I just think the guy is... Leading the charge, he is saying, we're the real deal. I'm going to put up 5,000 passing yards. I'm going to throw for 45-plus touchdowns, probably rush for five or six touchdowns. I don't see him rushing very many more touchdowns in. Might only throw like three or four interceptions. And like if you want to look, if he throws 45-something touchdowns and only throws like three or four interceptions, that is a, a huge touchdown-to-interception ratio. And he's probably going to lead the league in passer rating. And if his team continues to win, and let's say they go 12-4, and 13-3, and three, and nobody does better, and I don't know. I got Wilson as MVP. I got Lamar at second and McCaffrey at three because uh, I think McCaffrey's doing pretty great as well for a running back. Yeah, McCaffrey would be second for me. Or no, sorry, Russell's second for me, McCaffrey's thir- third for me. And Dalvin Cook would be honorable mention for me. So, yeah, I think, I think Wilson has it, and I think a lot of people after last night – I'm not too big on team wins cause you to to uh, you know win MVP. I think I think record helps, but I truly believe it's just what they do on the field. And you know, I think I got Wilson at the top, and I think he's been playing amazing. He's showing that all that money that they gave him is worth it. 
Because remember, he just got paid to be the highest paid player in the league, and he's he's showing up. He's like, hey, this money's worth it. Look at what I can do. So I got Wilson winning it. Now, one pushback, if we want to get a little conversation going here with Russell, the touchdown-to-interception ratio, um, that sometimes can be a little skewed. It's very important for quarterbacks. I'm not going to lie. But we had the same guy who had the best ratio last year sitting at home watching the postseason, but he also led the NFL in throwaways. There's some players who don't take risks. And Aaron Rodgers is is the biggest non-risk taker lately because he's kind of changed his game. So he had a 25 touchdown to two interception ratio, if I'm not mistaken, a year ago, and he was sitting at home. So the ratio can be deceiving depending on how you play on third downs and fourth downs and when you make the plays and when you don't. So I just want to add that about touchdown to interception ratio. We're seeing a lot of QBs care about that. And if you caught it, John Harbaugh said on the sideline to Lamar, and this is a coach who's won a Super Bowl and has been around a lot of Hall of Fame players. And most would argue, outside of Bill Belichick in the AFC, he's up there. And he said to Lamar, you know, a lot of QBs care about stats. And he said, not me, coach. And he said, I know that. A lot of kids in the next 20 years are going to be wearing eight jerseys because of what you're doing. And so there's a lot that Lamar does that's not going to show up in the times that he does it. And so just – and Lamar's only got five picks on the year. And you could go through every pick for every quarterback and say, oh, was this their fault? Was it not? I know it because he's only thrown two for sure the two that were Russell's fault. But as he – he's going to throw more most likely if he doesn't just throw the ball away. But I just want to add that about the ratio. It sometimes is, it can be deceiving. It matters though if you don't make you don't throw any turnovers, your team. But has what's a it matter if you go six nine and one? What what's it matter to Aaron Rodgers? He led the league in throwaways, but he also well, had a twenty five two rate. What does it matter that's, then? That's last year. We're talking about Russell Wilson this year. He's but on it's the same ratio. He ain't going six and nine one. I understand. Russell Wilson going six nine and one. I have him winning. I have him winning the vi- division. I, I no doubt. I'm just saying. When it comes to MVP, a lot of people take that ratio to to a place that I don't think it needs to be taken to because it, it sometimes that ratio is low because you don't take the chances that maybe you should take. And going back to Lamar's game, even though it was against Cincinnati, he had two incompletions. One hit a receiver, Mark Andrews, on the right hand in the end zone in which he dropped, which could have been another touchdown. And the other one, he spiked the ball. So, I mean, th- th- this is next level. This, this is... <laughs> I already said everything I had to say about it, but I, I just want to add that about the ratio. It, it, it doesn't matter as much as people think, or else the Green Bay Packers would have been in the playoffs last year. Okay. Well, let's move on to upset pick and game of the week. I got Texans versus Ravens as game of the week, and my upset pick is going to be the Texans as well. I think Texans are going to go in there, beat the Ravens, and... Sean Watson is going to play great, and you know it's going to be the battle of the quarterbacks. And I think Watson's going to pull out the win, and Texans are going to come fresh off that bye week and get a good W. Uh, go ahead, Gio. What's your uh, game of the week? Uh, I've been talking a lot. Go ahead, Anthony. You go first, and then I'll go. Yeah, I think we all might have pretty much a similar game of the week. I'm going to go with uh, – Baltimore and Houston game of the week. I'm I'm kind of upset that the, it's a one o'clock game on CBS because right? I'm I, that means I'm not going to be able to watch it. So, uh, my also my upset pick. I'm going to go. Miami's going to keep it rolling. They're going to get the third straight win against Buffalo this week. They they're five and a half point underdogs. I got them going in and beating. Uh, I got them beating Buffalo this week. Yeah, so I'm going to agree. I wish it was uh, could be flexed to a different time slot, but game of the week, Ravens-Texans. I have the Ravens winning a close one at home. Uh, this is going to be a very memorable game. I think there's just more um, firepower. We don't know what Will Fuller's health is going to be. We know when Will Fuller plays, um, Deshaun Watson has that much more at his disposal. Um, and, and Lamar, Marquise Brown's not healthy. He's going to be playing with him. He's got the tight ends. Um, these are two very similar teams. I do like Baltimore's defense over Houston's defense, but it's going to be a great game. I do like Baltimore to win this game at home. Um, and then for upset pick, I have – where did I have? Oh, I have the Broncos beating the Vikings. That's right, on the road. I have the Broncos coming off the bye. 
Um, the Vikings are feeling themselves. Um, they, you know, they did a lot of stuff on Twitter. We don't have time to get into. Uh, I just like the way the Broncos play football. I mean, Pro Football Focus has a lot of their positional groups and situational football um, rated highly, even though their record doesn't show it. Um, it's just they're ready. They're prepared. They're ready to go. They've lost a lot of close games. Uh, so I'm going to roll with them. It's a one o'clock game. Uh, Minnesota will be, you know, looking forward to their bye week the following week. Um, but give me the Broncos to upset the Vikings. And, um, yeah, game of the week and upset pick. All right. Let's move on to fantasy players of the week. I got quarterback and wide receiver for the Saints, Breeze and Thomas. I think they're going to destroy the Bucks. They're just going to tear that defense apart. And I don't think the Bucks have a chance this weekend, especially after they lost to the Falcons. Or, yeah, the Falcons. And uh, speaking of the Falcons, I have McCaffrey versus the Falcons as my running back. I think McCaffrey is going to run all over the Falcons. And unfortunately, I play against Thomas this week in fantasy, and I think Thomas is going to put up like 150 plus yards and 12, 13 catches and just destroy the Bucks. And uh, Geo, go ahead with your uh, fantasy picks. Yeah. So. Uh, um... In quarterbacks, um, I, I try to give you guys ones that may not be uh, or they're under 50% owned. If you're struggling, you got a team on by. Maybe you have Russell Wilson and he's been rolling with you all year long, but now he's on the bye. Pick up Derek Carr and start him against the Bengals. You're going to get two touchdowns. Um, you could almost book that. Um, but I definitely like him at home. I like the Raiders. And going along, I'm going to pair him not with a receiver, but with a running back in Josh Jacobs. Uh, he's been a very impressive rookie. He gets the tough yards. He understands the running back position, one that normally easily translates in the NFL. And so I like him to go over 100, catch a couple balls, and get into the end zone. Um, so he's a guy who maybe you've been on the fence with starting in some games this year. I think he's come on as of late. Feel confident. Put him in your flex position and roll with Derek Carr and Josh Jacobs. At wide receiver, uh, Julian Edelman. Another guy that sometimes you can feel very confident in um, and not so confident in, but he's going to be the main target. New England um, at Philly. I just like Julian Edelman in the slot against the secondary of the Eagles. I think Edelman will get loose for some plays. And look out for uh, honorable mention, Nikhil Harry. I hope he plays this game. I want to see him not in the preseason. He's been activated off of IR designated to return. So hopefully Nikhil Harry gets in the mix. And if he does... I can't say he's going to do much in his first game, but maybe that just alerts the DBs of the Eagles and gets Julian Edelman uh, some more looks. So I'm going to go ahead. My running back is going to be Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb going against Pittsburgh should have a big game. You know, Pittsburgh defense has been playing well, but Mick has been away from the ball. He plays a lot of zone in the back. He's not up in the box anymore like he was in Miami. So that's my pick for running back. Nick Chubb, uh, wide receiver. I'm going to go Cortland Sutton for for Denver going up against Minnesota's defense. Mm. They struggled against Amari Cooper. And, yes, Amari Cooper's really good. But Cortland Sutton has shown that he has been as well. So I think he's going to have a big game coming out, like you said, coming off their bye. So I think he's going to be he's going to be good. Now, my quarterback, this guy's owned and by less than 6% of people in ESPN leagues. Ryan Fitzpatrick against the Buffalo Bills. He had a good game against them a couple weeks ago when they were still in tank mode. But now Brian Flores is like, you know what, Steven Ross? You know what, Chris Chris Greer? I got to show the league that I mean business. So I'm getting W's, and I don't care what you say or when we pick. So he's going out there. He's screaming at referees. He's getting mad at people in the Dolphins organization. Telling him to call that all-out blitz against Pittsburgh at the end of second half, the end of first half, he Brian Flores is showing this man is a couple quarters off of being five, five and four. You know they could have beat Washington, they could have beat Buffalo, for, Buffalo the first time, and they could have beat Pittsburgh. But now they're coming out there, they're playing with life. Ryan Fitzpatrick, we're getting Fitz magic right now, and I think that's going to continue on Sunday against Buffalo. So my quarterback pick for this week. I wanted to go the easy route and go Mahomes, but I'm going to go Ryan Fitzpatrick against Buffalo. 
All right, that wraps up fantasy picks for the week, and that wraps up another episode. I hope everybody enjoyed, and uh, do you guys have any final parting words? Yeah, I just uh, excited. We get um, seven more weeks of football here in the regular season. A lot to lot to watch, a lot to look out for. Um, excited to see what some teams that are on the fringe do this week. I think as we get closer to Thanksgiving, it, it's make or break for a lot of these four and five, five and four squads. Anthony, you know, I, I love football season and I love this time of the year, you know, starting to get a little chill in the air everywhere, but South Florida. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, the weather's starting to change. Things are starting to get nice. Uh, but my favorite part of the year is this year also in regards to we see the landscape of college football starting to shape out and who these players that are going to be playmakers of the next level are starting to show. I can't wait till we get to talk about the shows where we start bringing up drafts and talk about position groups and players that make a difference going into the draft next year. You know, I'm excited. I feel like uh, this this podcast is strengthening as we go on. Uh, let's get these let's get this view count up as much as we can. Uh, share our link with your friends, family, grandma, grandpa, uncle, brother. If you hate, if you don't like us, share it with someone you hate. If you love us, share us with someone you love. Let's just get our view count up as much as we can, regardless of how you feel about us. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. And that will be a wrap. Everybody have a wonderful day or night, depending on when you listened, and we'll see you next week. See ya.